Have you ever wondered how to navigate the complex emotions and challenges that follow the discovery of your partner's infidelity? Is it possible to rebuild trust and find healing after infidelity shatters your relationship? What does it take to not only survive, but thrive after an infidelity? And what are the key elements of a successful recovery journey after it? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer these and many more questions. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and let's start. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is this so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D, and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Trash Show. Infidelity is a word heavy with betrayal, secrets, and shattered trust. It's a word that conjures a storm of emotions, from shock and anger to sadness and confusion. It's a word that forces us to examine the deepest crevices of our hearts and relationships. Whether you have recently discovered that your partner was unfaithful or are in the post-infidelity recovery phase, Navigating the tumultuous emotions that follow that experience can be, at best, difficult. It's a subject that many of us fear to confront, yet one that countless relationships must grapple with. So today we delve headfirst into the turbulent waters of infidelity and betrayal. We won't shy away from the pain and the complex emotions that it brings. Instead, we will embrace it, we'll examine them, and seek a path towards healing and renewal, exploring the roads to recovery. But our journey doesn't end there. We will also take you beyond the realm of your current relationship and into the terrain of self-confidence and trust in future connections. We will navigate the path of transformation, learning not just to survive, but to thrive, building relationships that are stronger and more resilient than ever before and we navigate the turbulent waters of infidelity and betrayal in a conversation with today's guest, Vanessa Cardenas. Vanessa is a betrayal recovery specialist who leads individuals on a transformative journey from betrayal to triumph. Drawing from her own story of resilience, empathy, and personal growth, Vanessa helps others heal and reclaim their lives. When betrayal completely blindsided her, she didn't let it define her. She used it as a stepping stone to unite her passion for helping others navigate their own paths 
to healing. Through one-on-one coaching, group sessions, courses, and impactful speaking engagements, Vanessa provides a safe space for individuals to explore, heal, and rebuild. Hi, Vanessa. Welcome to the Forgive and Try show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, completely my honor. You've absolutely done your homework. What a beautiful, beautiful introduction. I'm so honored to be here. We're going to have the most amazing conversation about a very difficult topic. But the most important thing for your audience to know as they settle in is to know that they are not alone. They are absolutely not alone. It can feel very lonely. Yes, especially after discovery of betrayal, whether that's intimate partner betrayal uh, in Our conversation that we're going to do today, I will assume that the cheating partner is the husband and the betrayed person is the wife. And I will use those terms, husband and wife. You, of course, your audience changes it to their specifications. But for the purposes of our conversation, husband is the cheater, wife is the betrayed. So we can move forward from there. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for clarifying that. I think it will make uh, much easier to, to talk uh, when we have a kind of defined rules. Um, so that is uh, fantastic. I think it's uh, a very common experience, unfortunately, for uh, a lot of people. It's uh, as common as any other human experience, I would say. But before we go into, into that and the really the details of betrayal and how to heal from that. I would like to start with you, if you don't mind. And in particular, how, how you started. I mentioned already something, you, you said already that it was a personal journey uh, as well. So how was to go from the betrayal, the personal betrayal, into becoming someone that actually helps others to navigate that period? Mm. Yeah, well, for me, I was addicted to certainty. I was addicted that if I checked off all of the right boxes, I got a good education, I went to a good university, I took a, a, an appropriate degree in psychology, and then, you know, went on to marry my high school sweetheart, children, cars, house, money in the bank, that I would be inoculated from anything terrible happening. I just went through my life and into my C-suite career. I was an executive. I had what I thought was a perfect life, an epic love story with my husband who I adored. And I felt he adored me. And we just went through our lives. And one day we're walking through Central Park and my husband says, oh, can you, you know, let's have a seat. And I sit down and I'm people watching and I'm, I'm all into this space because it's a beautiful autumn day. And he says, Vanessa, and I turn to look at him and it's, it's almost as if it was in slow motion. I turn to look at him and he says, Vanessa, I've met someone. And I, I like, I paused. I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, I've met someone. And my whole world shattered. You ever seen the Avengers movie with Thanos and he snaps his fingers and people turn to dust? That's what I felt like. 
I just completely, I vanished because I was a wife, a mother, a C-suite executive. I was everything to everyone. And now my life as I know it shattered. It just, it completely fell apart. And I fell into the darkness so deep, so heavy. And I struggled. I struggled to climb out of it. And I couldn't understand why with my experience and my degree and everything else that I could not pick myself up. And I recall it was so distinctive. I laid on my bedroom floor, floor, not even the bed. I was on the floor in a fetal position, crying, sobbing, and just begged and pleaded with God's source, spirit, please, if I can get a reprieve, I can just feel a little better. I promise that I would make sure that the next person would not feel like this because this is awful. This is absolutely awful. And I finally fell asleep because when you go through betrayal and you go through a hurt where, where your heart is ripped out of your chest, sleep doesn't even happen. Your mind is racing with all kinds of things. I finally slept. And the next day I woke up and I felt a little better. And then the next day, a little better. And the third day, a little better. But then I got the shove. I got the shove. You made a promise. You made a promise to help someone else. And the only way I could help someone else is if I started climbing that ladder out of the darkness. And I have always been a perpetual student. I grabbed every single book, anything that was written, any course. I enrolled in all of the gurus of related to betrayal, all of their programs. And what I found as I started going through this experience was that there was a flood of information towards me, but most of it at given moments in time weren't applicable to me. For example, there was a lot of resources related to leaving. I didn't want to leave. I wanted to work on my marriage. My husband wanted to work on the marriage because in our case, and again, keep in mind that every single relationship and every single recovery from betrayal is as unique as your fingerprint. So for us, our experience was that my husband said these three words to me as a cry for help. I need you to pay attention to me. You're so involved in your career and being a mother and being everything to everyone that we're micromanaging our marriage. It's not the way it was before. That intoxication of love has dissipated. And therefore, his comment to me was the push, the shove that I needed to become front and center in our marriage. And we both made a commitment to stay in our marriage, to work through counseling, through coaches, through therapists, and so forth, to get to the point where we are on the other side of, of betrayal. And a lot of resources that are out there related to betrayal are for leaving. I didn't want to leave. So we struggled finding those types of resources 
as well. There are a lot of similarities between whether you decide to stay or you decide to go, because those two decisions relate to your relationship with your partner. The, the moment of truth for me was when I started to focus on me. What was it about me? And I started to take on all of the responsibility of the betrayal, which is a big no-no. Absolutely not. I know that it feels so heavy and it feels like, why did this happen? And that's the biggest question of all. Why? Why did this happen? And we, especially as women, we struggle with that. We take it all in. We turtle ourselves into all of the emotions that we suddenly feel. Because when you go through betrayal, your self-esteem takes a major hit. You are so critical of yourself. Am I not, am I not enough? Am I not sexy enough? Am I not this enough? Did I nag too much? And, and it becomes I, 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 I. What did I do? What did this? What did this? I, 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 I. When you go through betrayal recovery, it becomes an emotional roller coaster that you're going through. But the pivotal moment for me was when I realized that though the betrayal was done to me, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. And that was the most valuable lesson that I personally got. Wait a second. This isn't about me. This is a cry for help from him. But that's because there was something going on with him that needed to be addressed. And that was his way of being able to get my attention. He didn't realize that I was just going to fall apart. I mean, I fell apart. There's a little bit of a caveat to that. One of the reasons that I fell apart the way I did was that I discovered through therapy, through coaching, that this wasn't the first betrayal that I had experienced in my life. I had these little micro betrayals throughout my childhood and throughout my teenagehood. We all kind of have them, we do. We had a best friend in third grade that we absolutely adored. We were, you know, uh, peas and carrots. And then suddenly, one day, she was friends with someone else, and you didn't exist, you were invisible. That's a betrayal. That's a betrayal, but we don't have those words. We don't have that language to put around the emotion that we feel of, oh, my heart just got ripped out of my chest. So I had all of these little micro betrayals throughout my life. Things related, as I mentioned, to childhood, to teenagehood, to self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is a form of betrayal. It is. And then you have little betrayals where you work. Yes, somebody takes you, you share your idea with somebody and they turn around and tell the boss your idea. Wait a second. That was my idea. That's a form of betrayal. So we have all these little micro betrayals that if we don't clean up, when we get the atomic bomb, of a betrayal, and yes, when your spouse, when your husband tells you that he has been unfaithful, that is a nuclear bomb that has just gone off. And the 
magnitude of it and how you absorb it has a lot to do with what has gone on in the past. So part of my personal recovery, and again, as unique as your fingerprint, my recovery involved going back to those little moments in time for those betrayals. I'd love to give you a little bit of an example of that. My mm -hmm. Uncle Marty. Mm, I adored my Uncle Marty. I was eight, nine years old, and he would come, you know, we'd only visit once a year, and he would come with gifts, and it wasn't about the gift, it was about him. And he adored me, he'd get down on his knee, he'd look me right in the eye, Vanessa, tell me about school, tell me about this, tell me about that. He saw me, he heard me, and I just went on and on and on and on about all the wonderful things. And he was so engrossed in what I was doing. And I just, I loved it. I ate it all up. The following year, he came and he was agitated and annoyed and talked down to me and like couldn't remember my name and didn't come with a gift. And again, it wasn't about the gift. It was, it was like he didn't see me. And he was annoyed by me, and I took that all in. There must have been something that I did. Maybe my mother shared with him that I was a bad girl. And I just I I went through the whole list of what what did I do? Why doesn't my uncle Marty see me anymore? And I oh it was such a betrayal. But again, I didn't have that terminology. I took it all in. I thought it was something related to me. Only years later, when he passed away from Alzheimer's, did I realize that that was the pivotal moment when he was starting to lose his mind. And he wasn't irritated with me. He was irritated with himself that he couldn't remember who I was. And here I am so excited to see him and throwing my arms around him and hugging him and him not realizing who I was and his fear is what did it and it wasn't about me and that is such a pivotal moment so sometimes we need to go through the past and clean up those little things and see them from a different perspective that allows us not only to clean up the past but kind of clean up the present as well because the future deals with the present it just does mm, yes Absolutely. I, I love what you're saying, and there is so much to, to unpack in there. Um, but I love the idea that we need to clean all the previous experiences that we had about betrayal. And connected to that, what would you say are perhaps the emotions that we need to, to monitor that may indicate that we have been betrayed in X situation? Mm. Wonderful question. Oh, we, as we go through betrayal, anytime you're hurt, there's a lot of emotions that go on. When you go through betrayal, mm, it is absolutely a situation where you go through rage and you go through incredible sadness. And then every emotion in between, but it's usually rage and sadness and they will flip in a millisecond. They will flip. You will go from being extremely angry, rage. You're seeing red to complete sadness. The dark, the black comes into play. 
And what we do is we take it in and we store it. I invite you to let it wash through you. Almost see it come in and go out and allow it to wash through you. But don't let your body become the coffin for all of these emotions. And it's hard. And sometimes you need, depending on your particular way of coping with things. For me, it used to be a rubber band around my wrist. And as I felt the wave come over of emotion, I would snap the rubber band. It was something about that physical moment that would snap me. And I'd be like, okay, I feel this emotion. I feel the rage. I'm going to let the rage come through and I'm going to breathe through it. And then I'm going to let it move through and out. And that visualization of seeing it wash through me, oh, for me, it was so powerful. And it, I use it now. I use that technique with my clients just to actually see it happen because it's very, um, there, there's a, an element of just peace and just knowing that it's not going to get stuck. It doesn't have to get stuck. You do not need to be stuck in the mess. No more stuck mess. Moving through it. And you can absolutely do it. You can absolutely do it. I'm a beautiful example of what is possible on the other side of betrayal. Now, I don't wish betrayal on anyone. Oh, the most gut-wrenching thing that you will go through, but there is beauty on the other side. You really step into who you were meant to be, without a doubt. And I, I love who I am. And that came from forgiveness. It came from not forgiving him. Forgiving him was secondary. I needed to forgive myself. I was so hard on myself. I beat myself up and I had the nasty chick voice on my shoulder that beat me down every day when I was in the cesspool of betrayal. And it wasn't until I was able to start climbing up and realizing I have to help someone else. I made a promise. I have to help someone else. And in order for me to help someone else, I need to learn it. Because when you learn with the intention of sharing it, you use a different part of your brain. And I wanted not to learn things passively. I wanted to learn in a way that I could then subsequently share. So as I mentioned, I went to all of these variety of courses and things of that nature, which were great. I'm not knocking any of them. They are very, very helpful. Um, but for me, I found them very structured. I didn't need structure. I wanted that at a moment, at a given moment in time that I could, I have triggers. Can we talk about triggers? I have um, uh, doubts. Can we talk about doubt? I have, you know, every single nuance. I wanted to be able to get that information as quickly as possible. And what I found with things that are structured is that when I asked, oh, I have a trigger. Oh, we don't get to that until week four and we're on week one. No, 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 I need that help now. I, I can't wait. I, I need help right now. 
And that was a situation that I found frustrating for me. But when I in turn decided that I was going to be a betrayal recovery specialist, that my practice was having the client guide where they want to go. What's coming up for you today? What can we work on today? And then if there is nothing, yes, we can follow a structure, but not a, oh, you have something going? No, 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 we're not going to talk about that now. We're going to talk about this because this is what I planned on talking about today. I didn't find that helpful. I didn't. Same thing with books. I found that a lot of the books, and a lot of them are great. All my books are highlighted, um, very, very much so. But for me, I found that in the depths of my betrayal, in the depths of those dark, dark moments where I just needed information to make me feel better, to make me feel like I wasn't alone, I found that all of the books that I had on my nightstand, and there were a lot of them, were filled with either religious or scientific jargon that I just couldn't process at the moment. Because again, when you're going through the moment, you, you can't think straight. You need bite-sized information just to get to what you need. So as I went through recovery and I started helping clients and you know thousands of, uh, of hours of clinical studies with patients, I started to see patterns of, hmm, people struggle with this in that capacity. And I designed and I created a book that was the book I needed. I needed it to be short chapters. I needed it to unfold in a way that wasn't structured at all. You want to read the first chapter about X, Y, and Z? Then you want to read chapter, you want to skip the seven chapters and go right to chapter nine? Great, go to chapter nine. Oh, wait, something's come up for you today. Oh, back to chapter two. And you move around. There's no structure to it. And every single chapter isn't more than four pages because we can't process anything more than that. And they all end on an, on an up note. Uh, they all end with a journal prompt, something for you to think about as you hopefully drift off to sleep, something for them to think about and churn over in their brains as they drift off to sleep. And I'm so ridiculously proud of it. I am, it, it, I birthed it. I went through betrayal and I birthed a book. I'm not an author. I had no aspirations of ever writing, but because of this situation, because of the betrayal, the trajectory of my life completely changed. And I'm, I'm grateful. Oh my gosh, I say that to people and they're like, I'm sorry, what? I am. I am grateful for the betrayal because I am better for the experience. I am, I am better for the experience. And I am so honored to help others through the process because it can feel very lonely. You can feel all alone in all of these emotions that are now suddenly trapped in your body because you're not allowing them to move through. Mm. That is so beautiful. I mean, again, there is so much there to, to unpack. Coming from your uh, experience and what you have said, is the fact that when we go in the post-betrayal phase, we move 
across different situations, different moments of, of that recovery. Is, is that right? Or at least I felt that with my betrayal uh, experience, even though it wasn't partner uh, specifically, but I went through different stages. Is this something that is uh, common? And if so, can perhaps, can we talk about that? Yes, yes, very much so. Again, that's a structured mm. realm. And scientific, I, scientific mind, I, I will yeah, just exactly. Um, you know, there are different stages, and I don't like to compartmentalize. Well, if you're here, you know, you should be here for you know 10 days, and then you should be here for up to six weeks, and and here for another duration of time because it winds up shaming people, kind of similar to self care. There's a big movement for self-care and I'm all for it. I, I get it. I understand it. But there can be an element related to shaming related to self-care. Oh, you should get a massage. You'll forget about it. Well, wait a second. I don't like people touching me. And yeah, that's not going to help me forget it. But maybe walking through the park, you know, that might help. Seeing leaves, watching children in a playground and seeing the giggles and the laugh, maybe that would help. So self-care is what you most enjoy, what you feel good about, not subscribing to what someone else suggests to you, but knowing from within what makes me feel good. And when you're going through a betrayal, you feel like nothing makes me feel good. Nothing will make me feel good. We'll find stuff. We absolutely will. And you want to find stuff and you want to zero in on that. So those first couple of days, those first weeks where you're in the depths, depths of that darkness, the most important thing to know is that you are not alone and it is not, not, not your fault. Mm -hmm. Once you have that realization, once you have that acceptance, you then move into the next stage, which deals with the recovery. What do I have to do? What should I be doing? And I know should's a bad word, but what, what can I do to feel better? Because I'm no longer, Viktor Frankl said it best, when you're not, when you're no longer able to change a situation, you are challenged to change yourself. That's the moment when you realize, you know what? I need to do something. I can't wallow in this any longer. I need help. And help is really important. A support system around you, whether it's trusted friends, whether it's clergy, pastor, rabbi, somebody, you know, again, a support group. There are lots of betrayal support groups, just like there's AA and other organizations to help with variety of addictions. There are support groups for a variety of topics, including betrayal. You want to explore that. A word of caution related to Facebook groups. Facebook groups are great if they are moderated and administered very well. If they are not, and they kind of run free, it can be very damaging. 
So you want to make sure that you become a fly on the wall in a group, see the interactions, see if they make you comfortable, then jump in because they can be very therapeutic. And I say that in quotes cautiously to help validate how you feel. But those are for the smaller groups. The groups that are 40,000 members, yeah, those can be a little overwhelming. And you definitely don't want to feel overwhelmed. You want to take it in as slowly as possible. Then you get to a stage where you realize, depending on your personality, of course, where you want to help someone else, where you have the wisdom, the experience to be able to share that with others, whether that's being a host in a betrayal support group or working with people one-on-one -on -one, or writing a book, or you might not have any of those aspirations at all. You might want to have worked through the recovery process. And again, whether you decided to stay or you decided to go, you've worked through it, and now you just want to move on with your life. That's absolutely fine as well. The most important thing is to make sure that you are not burying your head in the sand of, I'm just going to completely ignore this and it's going to go away. Because what will happen is that something down the line, you will be betrayed again. Not necessarily by your husband or your partner. Again, it could be self-sabotage, self-betrayal, where you suddenly feel like your body's not cooperating with you, developing an illness, things of that nature. We, 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 we start to attack ourselves, or it could be in your work environment, in your business environment. So betrayal does happen. How you handle the betrayal, how you work through the betrayal, how you learn to forgive yourself. I'm not advocating that you necessarily need to forgive the person who has betrayed you. That is a personal decision that you will make with your support system. But you absolutely need to forgive yourself and work through that. And then you need to start trusting yourself. So those are the two key elements is to forgive yourself, to trust yourself. And the third one, most important, to love yourself, to love yourself. Because had we known now what we had we known then what we know now, mm, things would be different. They absolutely would. But with experience comes that wisdom. You now have that wisdom. Mm. That is so powerful because betrayal does shatter the trust in yourself and the love that you might have had or the little love that you might have had towards yourself. So that is something really, really difficult. And uh, I love that what you said, that basically you need to start from, from yourself. You need to, to start from analyzing where you are and then rebuilding yourself first. Do you have any advice on that? And do you have any advice on how to rebuild the relationship because as you said at the very beginning, even with your experience, a lot of people say, well, you know, just walk away, you know, move on, uh, that's done. There was a betrayal, move to the next one. But if there is that intention and the relationship perhaps is worth saving, 
what are the conditions to go through uh, that experience and uh, with your partner and how to approach that that conversation you know yes it's a difficult conversation a lot of a lot of our communication with others can become very challenging and we tend to shy away from those difficult conversations because they make us feel uncomfortable they just do so if you find yourself in a situation where you have been betrayed and now you're trying to rebuild okay and i say rebuild either with your existing partner or rebuilding a new relationship. And I know that sounds a little strange, but hear me out. If you've been betrayed and you decide to leave and you then explore the dating scene and, and so forth and want to develop a relationship with someone else, you have the betrayal with you. If you haven't cleaned it up, oh, it's with you. It's heavy duty baggage where you might displace your anger, your rage, your sadness on your potential new partner. Mm, that, that makes dating a little challenging, wouldn't you say? You kind of do need to clean up the betrayal if you're going to start a new relationship. If you're going to leave and start a new relationship, you're still going to need to clean it up. So you can't bury your head in the sand. You can't just, oh, it's just going to go away. If I don't see him anymore, then it's just going to go away. Yes until the point where you feel those, the, 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 the new intoxication of love coming into play where you might have a new partner and whatnot, then those doubts and that nasty chick voice, oh, she's gonna start. She's like, oh, you better be careful. You better be careful. Yo, you remember, he's doing what the other one did. Look out, watch, be very careful. Suddenly you're hypervigilant because you haven't cleaned it up. So you want to make sure that you are cleaning it up. So in terms of rebuilding in general, it is step by step. It is not a situation where you can go into your gym, local gym, work out for six hours, and the next day you're all buff. It doesn't work that way. It is incremental steps that you need to take to build trust. How do we do that kind of right out of the gate? First and foremost, to rebuild trust is full accountability, full responsibility. He, again, we're assuming that the husband is the cheater, is the one who betrayed. Uh, he needs to take responsibility. He needs to indicate, I've, I've done this. I have screwed up. I did this. And not, I did this because you. Mm -mm 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 -mm. I did this 100% ownership of his actions. You don't control his actions. You don't. He needs to take 100% responsibility for his actions. Then he needs to take 100% accountability for his actions to indicate how this came about, perhaps even why this came about. Third layer is transparency. He needs to be an open book. That means no more passwords on his devices. That means uh, no more taking his devices into the bathroom. Um, no more, um, you know, uh, secretiveness, um, things of that nature. 
100% transparent. Let's you know, listen, I'm leaving the office. I'm going X, Y, and Z. You know that he's going X, Y, and Z. There's no hidden agenda. There's no little white lies. Um, and it's funny because an, in initial recovery, and when I work with um, couples, um, one of the funny ones that I remember distinctly was um, she would ask him, you know, did you feed the dog? And he would just say, yes, the dog hadn't been fed. Oh, did you take the dog out, you know, for a walk? Oh, yeah, I took the dog out for a walk. The dog pees on the floor. He didn't take the dog out. Like, it was effortless to just lie to say to his partner what she wanted to hear. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Being 100% transparent. Then we move into the honesty. And again, these are layers that we're putting on the foundation of the relationship that was completely destroyed. Think of it like a house in a tornado. House goes, it's gone. The house is gone. And you have the opportunity now to rebuild the house. Are you going to rebuild it exactly the same with the cracks in the foundation? Or are you going to get a contractor uh, electrician, all these support people to help brick by brick, layer by layer, that foundation of your house. And that's the trust. And you want to put that into play because if you don't trust yourself and if you don't trust your partner, then your safety is your concern, just how you feel. Mm. Safety is, uh, is a big thing, and uh, especially when you have to consider, do we reestablish a, a relationship or we walk away? But there is something that actually uh, came to my mind that you were talking before about communicating. And uh, communication is, um, is very hard, obviously, especially when you are communicating with others about what happened. Because there are lots of emotions as well, you know, there is shame and fear and, and then you don't know how other people may uh, act and, and react to that and they might start uh, giving advices that perhaps are not are unsolicited and they are not helpful. So how do you tackle that communication with, the, for example, immediate family, in-laws, perhaps siblings? Um, friends that are, you know, especially in relationship, they are, they are common to, to both parties. So how do you tackle that mm. in mm. transition period when you are trying to rebuild and they might notice that something is, isn't right? It doesn't, you know, you don't rebuild the relationship overnight. So there is obviously a transition period where those close to you might realize something. So how do you approach that, uh, that, that conversation? Mm. First word that pops to mind is delicately, very delicately. It's, it's, it's definitely a challenge and it's, it's, it's something that was brought up as uh, my book came out and people were reading it. I got a lot of similar questions. How do I talk to my in-laws? How do I talk to my kids? How do I talk to my, my children's teacher? You know, how, how do I start to share this out in a way that's empowering? Because we want to be careful that as we start to share 
our story with others that it doesn't turn into an emotional need. Oh, I need to tell them because I need to feel or hear their sympathy. Oh, I like the way that feels. So it becomes this vicious circle of, let me share this so that I get this emotional reaction and it, it, it drives and it feeds and it, it just turns into this really ugly thing. Um, and it prompted me to write my second book, which was, again, how to deal with your partner's betrayal, how to talk to your kids, your in-laws, your parents, and others. And I give scripts and walk people through the process of having those difficult conversations. Because you do initially, when you discover betrayal, you want to keep it close to the chest. You do. And here's the reason why. And it's called toothpaste. And I know I say toothpaste and people are like, well, what are you talking about? Toothpaste. When you let the toothpaste out of the tube, you can't get it back. So if you start to tell people about the betrayal right as it happens, you're going to get all of that unsolicited advice, all that judgment from your friends. Oh, you have to leave him. Oh, you need to stay. And, and, and it all comes at you and people mean so well. They do, they genuinely do, those that stay close to you. Now, there will be people that will completely distance themselves from you when you mention, I've been betrayed. They wanna get as far away from you as possible as if you have COVID, and they do not want that on them. You know, stay away. I don't, I, I don't want that to bleed into my relationship or it's very triggering for them because they've experienced betrayal and you don't know that. They haven't communicated that with you. And that turns into a very complex situation. So we want to be able to have those conversations, but we need to have them in a way that's empowering. Here's what our family's dealing with. Here is what we are doing about it. Because for me, again, my personal example is we didn't tell anybody for months. No one knew other than our children because they could hear us arguing, which was a very deep regret of mine, was that our children knew kind of from day one. Um, I would have liked it to be a little bit more of a buffer. And that's my personal situation. Um, but with that being said, you want to have those conversations from a place of strength not a place of weakness. So you need to wait until you are ready to have that conversation and experience that judgment. Ideally, in a perfect world, and I know that sounds really strange because we're dealing with betrayal, which is not perfect and it's messy and it's complicated and it's so hurtful, but in an ideal after betrayal world, you want a situation where you come from your strength and you indicate to those that you talk to we are separating or we are working through to get through it that you have that decision already made and i'm not saying that that decision's easy that decision can take months to determine because right at the discovery you're feeling all kinds of different emotions then as you work through, we talked about that working through process, the pinnacle moment is when you make that decision. 
Now, you are not locked into it. It is not a hundred percent, but it is close because why? You want a situation where if you're deciding to separate, that you're going through all the steps of separation, the legal, the financial, the, the, the separating of assets, all of that. You're going through that process. If you're deciding to stay, you're focused on healing the relationship, healing your relationship with your children, your in-laws, everyone else, and you're on that different path. Very, very important to have that, to know what path you want to be on. You could jump to the other path six months down the line as you go through the separation and you realize, you know what? You know, he's being transparent now, he's doing all the right things, and he communicates, you know, to you, I, I wanna stay, I wanna work on this. You might decide, oh, okay, we're, we're now gonna go to the, let's try to work this out. There are a lot of instances where people get divorced and years later, what happens? They get remarried. It does happen, it's not unheard of. It's rare, but it's not unheard of. Same thing situation on this side. You decide to stay, you're feeling really good, everything's going really, really well. You've set your boundaries. You've set your boundaries. He's aware of your boundaries. Your boundaries are not to control him. Your boundaries are set in place that if he does X, Y, and Z, this is what you are going to do. So if he commits X, Y, and Z, and one of your boundaries is if you do X, Y, and Z, I'm gone and he does X, Y, and Z, you're gone. So there's, the, the complexity of it is there, but the importance is to get to a point where you can make that decision because that's an empowering decision. Then you can speak about the betrayal from an empowered perspective and say, we're going to be separating or we're going to be staying together. The importance of that decision as well is so that you're not bouncing back and forth constantly. Oh, today, I don't, I, I'm angry at you, I'm leaving. And then, oh, I feel so much better, I'm staying. And you're, you're swaying back and forth. It's confusing not only to your mind and your heart, you're confusing him, you're confusing your children, you're confusing all the people around you. If you don't have a decision yet, that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely okay not to have a decision yet. And you can be forthright with that. I don't have a decision yet. But the one day one, next day the other, it, 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 you're just going in circles. You're basically running on a hamster wheel with no direction and no place to go. And you don't want to do that. And if you find yourself in that position, then you want to reach out to your support system and say, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this way. Help me. Absolutely. And then we talked, you touched on, I just want to touch on it. The people around you with unsolicited advice. They do mean well. They really truly mean well, they do. But just like in grief at a funeral, people say the wrong things. You know, uh, when, when women go through miscarriages, you know, people mean well, they say, they, oh, it's God's will. No, I can't, you know, I don't, I don't wanna hear that. I'm suffering, you know? Sometimes we just need to sit in it with someone else who is experiencing all that grief, all that pain, and just sit next to them and say three simple words, three simple, I've got you, I've got you. Oh my God, 
Had anybody said that to me while, you know, tears are streaming down my face, I've got you. Oh, I can, I can feel that strength, you know? I can, I can siphon it out just to make me feel a little better. Yeah, Pastor, that is so important because we feel really not heard and seen with, with a betrayal. So having someone that is there and say, well, I'm here, talk. Do whatever you want. I'm I'm here. I I, I got you. I, I I love that. So thank you, thank you very much for for stressing that out, Vanessa. I would like to do a little experiment here. Imagine you had the younger version of yourself going through the before realizing of the betrayal, during that phase of indecision, perhaps not knowing exactly what to do, and the Vanessa now. And to work as you are today, as your own master of the, the younger Vanessa, what, how would you help her and what would you say in each phase? Mm. Not to be addicted to certainty, to, to let things roll, just let it happen, let it dissipate, because that's what I do now and it's so liberating. It's absolutely so liberating. And in my 20s, I think if anybody in their 50s said to me, just roll with it, I'd be like, you know, yeah. If I could go back and, and my younger self could see me, you know, yes, I, I've come back through time. I don't, I don't have a book on sports games. No, no, no. It's not like Back to the Future. But I can tell you this, related to you right at this moment in time, just let things roll. Just let things roll. But I, I want to be cautious of, I wouldn't change anything. I truly wouldn't. My life has been challenges throughout, but they made me who I am. And I so love who I am. I look in the mirror every single morning and I'm like, good morning. I, I love who I am. And 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I couldn't say that because I was really struggling with who am I? And I wrapped up my identity in my job, in being a mother, in being a wife. And now I wrap up my identity in me. It's just me. And I, I still love who I am. I truly, truly do. And sometimes I can overhear, you know, because sometimes women can be catty because I'm in a C-suite executive position. So when we go to board meetings and this and that, I can overhear somebody say, oh, she's so full of herself. And I turn around and I'm like, yes, yes. Oh my God, that's the most beautiful compliment you could have given me. I am absolutely full of myself. Without a doubt, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful and I, uh, I am. So that, that's what I would tell my younger self. Just let it roll a little bit. But again, I'd, I'd want to be cautious. I, I wouldn't want to disrupt the chain of things that had happened because... It gets me to this point right now. And it's such a beautiful moment here with you. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's that personal journey of, of uh, self-discovery and development and growth that we couldn't do without that experience, that pain or whatever that, that was. So uh, I, I'm, I'm totally with you on this and I, I love absolutely what, what you are saying. Vanessa, 
coming back on on you before we conclude this uh, wonderful, wonderful conversation, um, is there anything that you would like to share with us about what you're doing and uh, what are you working on? What are you planning uh, that you went just to point out to our listeners? Uh, mm. There are so many things. <laughs> there really, <laughs> truly are. Because um, I like touch points. I like just the, the moments in time. Um, and one of the things that I discovered, because as I mentioned, I'm a perpetual student. So most recently, I took a course where I was a student and I was asked to volunteer to coach another student. Um, and again, this was related to trauma. And it was an interesting example. And I had her crying and then I had her belly laughing and then I had her agreeing to an action. And by the end of it, she said, Vanessa, I've been in therapy for years. I can't believe the breakthrough that you got in 18 minutes. Wow. And that really got me thinking somewhat in general of sometimes we stretch out recovery to the point where it's no longer elastic anymore. We've stretched it out too far. And sometimes we just need that moment of just help at that particular moment for that particular thing. And then we're good to go. Sometimes, of course, you know, they're larger, more complex things. But there are certain things that sometimes we just need that perspective, that little pivot to change. So it got me thinking that I want to start offering that. Those, we don't need to buy a package of, you know, 12 weeks or anything like that. More just touch points. Hey, can you talk to me about triggers? When this happens, this happens. What do you think? What are your suggestions? Give me three suggestions and let's move forward. Similar to what we do on a podcast where we talk about different topics and then we give touch points of what can be done. I want to do that on a personal level. I want to, you know, if you and I were working together, I'd want to dig a little deeper into that situation with your best friend and, and really kind of tug on it and make sure that it's all cleaned up for you. And I want to do that. So I'm, I'm exploring that for 2024. Um, yeah, with that being said, but what I'm doing now, right at this moment in time is between the holidays here in the United States, between Thanksgiving and Christmas can be very lonely. It can be incredible. You could be surrounded by friends and family and feel so alone because you're going through betrayal recovery and you haven't shared it with anybody, you know, other than a circle of support, but you're feeling really alone. And on Thanksgiving day, you know, where everybody's gathering and maybe you have people gathering in your home as well, but you still feel alone. I've opened myself up, my schedule up. I'm on the meet up platform where I'm available that morning to drop in, tell me what's going on, how you're doing, just so that you know that you're not alone. And for me, that feels so good. That feels so good. And I, I want to do it on both uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, as well as New Year's Day, because those are days that really just sometimes they just cause the flood of all the emotions to come back and it it i've got you mm -hmm. i've got you you know come let's chat let's have a talk let's see what we can do if anything cry 
just cry and know that I'm sitting right next to you and I've got you. So yeah, those are, those are the things that I'm working on, but I, I always have things happening because I perpetual student. I see things that I like then I see things I don't quite like, but, um, yeah, you can always see what I'm up to on my website, which is understanding ear.com and where that comes from. It's an interesting, quick story comes from a Stephen King quote. Stephen King, yes, the horror writer. Here I am quoting him, but he has a wonderful quote at the start of one of his books. And in short, it reads, the hardest things to say are the most important things to say, not for the want of a teller, but for the want of an understanding ear. And I grabbed that URL. I got it. I didn't have to wrestle it away from anybody. So I'm at understandingear.com. You can reach out to me that way and let's chat. Absolutely. And it fits very well, I think, with betrayal uh, recovery. Uh, you really need a very understanding ear. So I absolutely love that. And uh, I applaud you also for this uh, little initiative that you have to support people during the, the holidays. Because for someone that is going through betrayal and the betrayal recovery, all the festivities feels a, a little bit like those days where you have to wear, wear a mask, right? So having someone where you can be the true self, your true self, and, uh, and say, well, this is going on and this is how I feel. Yeah, I think it's really, really important. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you for uh, this initiative. Um, Vanessa, final question. If there was one take-home message that you would love everybody to remember from this conversation, what that would be? You're not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. There are so many resources around. There absolutely are. I'm not just for myself, but there are. And just search them out. Find what feels most comfortable to you. You might drop into a group and be like, mm, yeah, no, this doesn't feel right. Don't dismiss never going to a group again. Find a different group. You have to find your people, find your tribe. You are not, you are not alone and you will get through. You absolutely will get through to the other side. I'll be waiting. Absolutely. I totally love what you just said. Well, as we conclude this powerful episode, we leave you with this thought. Infidelity and betrayal might look like a storm in your life at the time it happens, but it's not the end of the story. It's a chapter in a complex book of love and relationships. And how you choose to write the next chapters is within your grasp. Healing is possible and thriving is attainable even after infidelity. So I want to leave you with a quote from Mandy Hale who said, sometimes it takes a heartbreak to shake us awake and help us see we are worth so much more than we are settling for. Vanessa, thank you so much for accepting our invitation, for sharing so much about yourself and what you do. Uh, I think it's a very powerful message what you have. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people, whether they went through a betrayal or, or, or not with uh, their partners, will find it very inspiring. So thank you very much. Thank you. Well, we would love to know what you think about this topic. 
Are you or someone you know dealing with the aftermath of a betrayal? If so, where are you in the recovery journey? Let us know. Also, don't forget to check Vanessa's website and to follow her on social media. You will find all the links in the description of today's episode. If you have been affected in any way by the topic we discussed today, as always, I invite you to seek professional help. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.